Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Good morning. This is Father Richard Kuntz coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth along with Father Ryan Moravitz. We are on a different location. Normally, you wouldn't know this in Radio Land. Normally, we're at the Chancery of the Diocese of Duluth, but today we are coming from the best parish in the city, St. James. That's because it's my parish. Father Ryan. That's because they have the best pastor in the city. Thank you. I'm glad that you're confirming what I'm saying. Yeah. So, Father Ryan, no before we get started, would you please um, uh, start off with a prayer? Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord Jesus, you who calm the storms in our lives, we ask for your, your peace and your grace upon us and upon all of our listeners. Lord, may we be drawn close into the depths of your heart. Um, throughout the next two hours, we pray for our, all of our guests and our listeners. Lord, we just offer this show up to you in every way. Holy Spirit, stir within us the fullness of your gifts and your presence. And Mother Mary, intercede for us always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and Holy of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And, you know, I just want to say, being that we are at St. James, we have a massive crowd watching us today. we got the Foldacy family, Cheryl and Daniel. See, look, at there's hardly any place to, okay, to you, sit. There's so many people here watching I know. from the it's, parish. It's like a packed packed social hall. Come on down, folks. We'll squeeze you in. We'll find some chairs and get some chairs for you. And... Well, yeah, well, welcome. The Folicies are a very active family here at uh, St. James, so it's good to have them here for a little while. Uh, so uh, before we get any further, Aaron, are you there? I certainly am. Aaron, could you please give us like a little bit of a rundown preview of what we're going to be doing this morning? Certainly. We're going to be talking with Deacon Michael Kapperman. He's going to be talking about his recent deacon diaconate ordination and the start of his summer assignment. We are also going to be introducing a new segment called Prayerfully Yours. We look forward to that here right before Father Rich and Father Ryan have their straight talk segment. Call in during that time, 9.30 to 10 a.m. Central. Then we will have Bishop Paul Serba talking about Built Upon a Rock Fest. He's going to be, we're really looking forward to him being on with us. We've also got Deacon or Father Gregory Crane about being newly ordained to the priesthood. A lot of newly ordained here. And that is awesome. We've also got Dave Taylor of the Polls program. We're going to hear a little bit more about that and what that all means. All this here on Real Presence Live. Right back to you guys. Thanks, Aaron. Remember, remember when I'm on the air, we don't use that A word. Yeah, you said awesome, Aaron. Oh, I I'm did. S- I'm proud of you. Thanks, brother. No, 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 no. Awesome is overused. No, that was awesome, Aaron. How about that amazing? Awesome. That amazing you said awesome. is better. Amazing That's better. is better. Okay. I'll work so, on it. So, you know, at, at our Stella Mars school here, the St. James campus that, that, are, that is at my parish here, I, I try and train the kids not to use the word awesome. So I give them a word to take the place of awesome, and that's linoleum. And I only say it seems like an odd word to take the place of awesome, but uh, linoleum is like the, I think it's, it's my favorite word in the English language. This is why just, kids sometimes. It just rolls think, off the tongue. This is why kids sometimes think priests are weird. <laughs> uh, well, I, I explained it to them so they understood. Oh, so they understood. Yeah. Oh, they, and they looked at you like, oh, that makes sense, Father. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks, Father Ryan. Is the show over yet? 
No, we've got we've got Deacon Michael on the line. Oh, all right. Oh, great. Well, Deacon Michael, uh, thanks for saving us. Deacon Michael, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, good. Well, uh, welcome to Real Presence Live. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, so uh, my name is Deacon Michael Kafferman. I'm a deacon for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I was just ordained on May 30th to the diaconate uh, for the diocese. I grew up near Hartford, South Dakota. I graduated from West Central High School back in 2010. I went to college, and in college I kind of fell away from the faith. Uh, I got caught up with the—I played football at Dakota State University and kind of got caught up in the the football lifestyle. And from that, um, uh, I kind of fell away from the church. But my junior year, I had a reversion back to the faith and really encountered the love of God for the first time. And from that, I wanted to give my entire life to Him. Um, and I felt that He was leading me towards the priesthood. So I entered seminary back in 2014, and five years later, I'm here as, sitting here as a deacon for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. So, so Deacon Michael, um, what's the, you know, I mean, so what's the difference between uh, like the type of deacon you are and the type of deacon that might be a married guy that people see in their parishes? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So I'm what's called a transitional deacon, and the typical deacon that you would see in a parish that usually stays there for multiple years is what's called a permanent deacon. Um, They're both deacons. They're both ordained to the same diaconate. However, we just use an adjective to describe, okay, uh, a transitional deacon, he's moving on to the priesthood, where a permanent deacon, he's planning on remaining in the order of diaconate. And so uh, they're both the same diaconate. They're both the same. Um, they were both ordered, ordained to the same order of the deacons, uh, but we just use an adjective to describe whether or not they're moving on to priesthood or not. So permanent versus transitional diacon, deacon. So to our listeners out there, I had a great chance to meet or to see Deacon Michael. Um, I've seen him at the seminary before and as the vocations director, but I, I saw him at Sister Agnes of the Handmaids, her final vows last Friday. So Deacon Michael, it's great to have you on on the show yes, with us, and it was great to see you out there. Yes, it was great to see you, too. I, I was blessed to get to even have lunch with your parents. So, Yeah, it was a, and it was a wonderful day. So, I'm, yep. you know, you think of her vows, and it was a beautiful day, and the, the vows, uh, the Mass itself, in many ways, kind of mirrors the ordination, right, and some of its, its symbolism and different things. It's obviously a different thing, but that must have brought up some memory for you too since it's so fresh too you're so recently ordained a deacon but what was it like for you getting ordained and what was going on in your head and in your heart um, as you entered yeah. into sacred orders yeah so uh right away i was pretty nervous i was i was a nervous wreck kind of in the sacristy i was pacing back and forth uh beforehand but it was so great because i had two of my uh fellow uh deacons at that time now one of them is now a priest the other one's still a deacon but they were kind of uh, messing with me, joking with me in the, the sacristy, which was great because it kind of pulled me out of my nervousness and realized like that this was a, uh, the ordination was a fruit of many years of prayer, and so I didn't have to be so nervous about it. Uh, but processing in was uh, quite an uh, amazing moment. It was quite an awe-filled moment because as I was processing in, I really kind of felt, this is a weird analogy, but it kind of felt like Judgment Day, in a, in so to speak, because I had all these people looking at me. I was the only uh, one being ordained, and literally the entire church was just gazing upon me and looking at me, and I felt like that moment, uh, maybe at the, the general judgment, um, where it's every like I'm being uh, told where, where I'm going to be going, so to speak, 
And so uh, as I process forward in the ordination rite, there comes a moment where the bishop asks the vocation director, do you find him to be worthy? And it's like, oof. Uh, hopefully the vocation director says, yes, he's, he's found to be worthy. But I found it as like a moment of uh, a real affirmation from God himself. It's like uh, that through the discernment of the Church, through the prayer of the Church, that I've actually been found worthy to um, receive this just awesome gift. And it kind of felt like that moment where, uh, for the saints in heaven when they, when they receive that invitation from God to say, come, uh, join the rest of the Heavenly Father. It's like, who am I to receive such an amazing gift? And so I was just overflowed with uh, so much joy, so much peace um, during the ordination, right? Because there was a real affirmation from God that says, you are, you are worthy. Uh, of course, I'm always unworthy, but yet uh, the Church has declared me worthy. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunzel and Father Ryan Moravitz coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth. We're talking to Deacon Michael Kapperman from the Diocese of Sioux Falls, who was recently ordained to the Transitional Diaconate. Now, uh, Deacon Michael, I was at—I didn't meet you there, but I was at the um, uh, um, uh, the final vows of Sister Agnes as well. Were you one of the principal deacons uh, sitting alongside Bishop Lavore? Yes, I was that really, really tall one. Ah, uh-huh, okay, uh, all right, okay. That was just towering over. So. Yes, okay, all right, yep, I remember you now. So uh, one of the things I that I have a question about is, you know, so what, what's the difference between a deacon and a priest? What can a deacon do and not do, as opposed to, like, a priest? Yeah, so the big difference uh, would be kind of stems from what the ordination is itself. So a deacon is ordained in persona Christi, where a priest and a bishop are ordained in persona Christi capitis. So there's that last little word there. And so in the person of Christ versus in the person of Christ, the head. So a priest and a bishop, uh, they're really, they're there, they're ordained unto the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And so they really stand over the congregation as father, as, a, as, the, as the role of the authority, as the role of the, the presider, where the deacon is ordained um, in, persona, in the person of Christ, but in the person of Christ, the, the servant, uh, the Jesus who has been made the servant of all. So where the priest can offer Mass, the priest can uh, uh, perform all seven sacraments, the deacon uh, can only, a short phrase to remember is, marry, bury, and baptize. <laughs> With regards yeah. to the liturgy is uh, witness marriages, they can baptize children, and then they can pre- uh, uh, preside over funeral rites. And oh, so, okay. where a no. priest can do all seven sacraments, um, a deacon can only uh, assist at a few of them. Well, priests can't really do all seven, though, can they? Oh, that's true. That is really true. <laughs> I, didn't, so. I didn't mean to. Cr- I don't want to correct our guests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but which that's, is the one? No, which really is the good. sacrament that a priest cannot do? A priest cannot do uh, the sacrament of holy orders. He cannot ordain, ordain. another uh, someone. So <laughs> good, good call. <laughs> you got me. So, uh, we probably would have gotten a phone call. No, no, that's good. So, so now, um, uh, are you assigned in a in a parish now for the summer? And what parish is that? Yes, yeah, so I've been assigned at Holy Spirit Parish here in Sioux Falls. It's on the southeast corner. It's a pretty large parish, and I'll be here till August fourth, um, helping out with Father Chuck Simple and Father Kyler Matson, and then also Deacon Pat Darrington, who's another deacon uh, here at the parish. Deacon Michael, as a deacon, you make certain promises during your ordination. Can you tell us a little more about those promises you made? Yes. Um, so there's, I believe, seven promises uh, where the bishop asks you, um, just to kind of quickly run through them, the first is, do you resolve to be consecrated? And so 
yes, I resolved to be consecrated uh, I re- uh, for the church's ministry. The next is, do you, de- do you uh, promise to discharge the offense of deacon with humble charity? And so th- this is a beautiful one that really struck me is, I promise to lay down my life in love. I, I pray, I promise to lay down my life in, cha- uh, in charity. And then uh, another one that is a big for a man uh, studying for the priesthood is the promise of celibacy. So at the uh, diaconate ordination is actually where he takes his promise of celibacy. So by the time that he's a priest, he doesn't take that promise at the ordination, right? But at the diaconate, he does. And so this is a big moment for a man studying for the priesthood. And another promise um, would be the promise of uh, respect and obedience to the bishop. And so this is the moment where I'm submitting myself to the authority of the bishop. So, so, so now, um, coming into that, as you were preparing for this ordination, what was the part that, or if there was a part that was stressing you the most? For me, I, for um, me, I remember specifically it was the, the, that promise of celibacy, but I know that other guys enter into it you know, maybe, you know, really focus on another aspect of it. What was it for you? Uh, for me, it was actually the promise of humble charity, the uh, the promise to discharge the uh, diaconate with humble charity. Because uh, I know in my own walk, there's, there's so many times where you get caught up with your own busyness, you get caught up with all the things you have to do. And with that promise of humble charity means you're no longer your own. You're, you're, you're meant to be the church, uh, for the church. And so that was really the one that I was, worried about the most was like, okay, Lord, I'm no longer my own. I'm now the Church's. I'm, I'm here for the Church. I'm available for the Church, so that whoever walks into the sacristy before Mass, that I'm, I'm their deacon. I'm there, I'm there to be present to us. So that was the one that I was actually worried about the most. Now, I know that um, when you're... Now, what seminary do you go to? I go to St. Paul Seminary there in St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay, now I'm sure that... Well, I know as, as you prepare for the diaconate that you take homiletics classes and you know, do little practicums on homilies. What was it like, you know, doing seminary, you know, kind of like pseudo-homilies versus giving your first real homily? Yeah, it was a world of difference. So uh, doing the seminary, at the doing the homilies at the seminary, it was, it totally felt like practice. It kind of felt fake because you're, you're imagining a group of people that you're giving a homily to. And so it was always kind of uh, an aspect of not feeling real. But versus giving in a parish, it's literally these people that I'm preaching to, these people that I want to bring the Word of God to. And so it it took on a whole new dynamic of being alive and being present and being real, So such that uh, giving homilies now um, in the parish life is so invigorating because it's like, I get to bring the Word of God to these people, rather than an abstract people in a far-off land, like at the seminary. What um you know one of the other things with being a deacon is you get to actually make the proclamation of the gospel at mass. What was that like for you? Yes, uh, that's that's such a humble moment because yeah. uh, at the parish I'm at, we process for, with the gospel book from the altar to the the ambo, and uh, it's such a beautiful moment for me to be able to carry the word of God and to say, Lord, who am I that I get to literally be a herald of your gospel to be get, be a messenger of your gospel, and so it's a very humbling moment to actually literally carry the Word of God and now proclaim it to the people. Yeah, that's, that's a, a powerful experience, certainly. I mean, to, I mean, I get, let me just get back on the, before Father Ryan asked that question in regards to that homily thing, because, you know, proclaiming the gospel, obviously, that's, I mean, that's huge, but the, 
the part of preparing the homily, you have to put a lot more inner, you know, of your time into it before the mass. You know, a lot of more, a lot more prep time with that. And I suspect that when you were in the seminary, you were probably preaching to your classmates. Was, did you do mm-hmm. that? So, yep. how how was that with your classmates? I mean, how did they? When it came to the practicums, I remember in the seminary, it's like my classmates were like the worst critiques of mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, and there's a good reason for it too, because it's like these are these are your brothers that you live with, that you you work with, and uh, so they get to know your quirks, they get to know your pros and cons, and so they get to uh, challenge you in a different way. And yeah, at the at the uh, seminary, they they definitely really nit not nitpick is a negative word, but nit nitpick in the positive sense of really critiquing and bringing about uh, a better homily such that um, when you do get into the parish, it's like, wow, I've had a lot of feedback already that I can now now give to them. Well, that's all great. Well, uh, you know, good luck on your work, many blessings, and and thank you very much uh, for joining us, Deacon Michael. Thanks, Deacon Michael. Many blessings to you. Thank you so much, Father. We'll see you. God bless. After we come back from the break, we're going to introduce a brand new segment of our shows after the break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live is now coming to you five days a week, bringing you new hosts, including all Father John and Joe Rutten, Father Craig Vosick, Father Tim Buren, and Father Kyle Metzger from brand new locations including the University of Mary in Bismarck, Mount Marty College in Yankton, South Dakota, and the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. If you're looking for hope, tune in to Real Presence Live, where you'll hear positive and inspirational stories weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. One very important parish will receive special treatment at the 2020 Built Upon a Rock Fest, including catered lunch on the concert day, meet and greet with the bands, and a special preview performance. Built Upon a Rock Fest is grateful for parish support and wants to give back. All sponsoring parishes will be entered into a drawing, and the VIP will be drawn on stage at the concert on September 14th. For details, check out builtuponarockfest.com. Builtuponarockfest.com. Taking what you experience on Sunday in church and applying it during the week at work can be a challenge. This year's Faith and Business Conference is for business owners, managers, and those that seek to integrate their faith into the workplace. This year's conference features world-renowned speakers that will help you take faith principles and turn them into business practices. Learn how to take your Sunday into Monday on Thursday, August 8th at the Ramcota Hotel in Sioux Falls from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information and tickets, go to faithinbusinessconference.com. 
Real Presence Live is now coming to you five days a week, bringing you new hosts, new locations, and brand new segments, including Heart of Your Legacy, where, as the name suggests, we get at the heart of giving and how you can leave a lasting legacy, and Honor Our Fathers, where you send us the names of your favorite priests, and we offer special recognition and a dozen donuts to one each week. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live, weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. In this next part of the show, we're going to introduce a brand new segment to Real Presence Live, which is the very first time we're ever doing it right now, and it's going to be coming to you five days a week. And and this is a special one, so Aaron, I'd ask you to please cue the music. Almost every day, we receive prayer requests asking for prayers for those closest to us, those who are suffering with illnesses, who have lost a job, who are traveling, or having troubles in their marriage, or just trying to discern the Lord's will. And yes, even prayers for those people who are rejoicing in goodness of the Lord in their lives. These come to us via our website, our app, and through visiting with you all throughout the different listening areas. They go on our website under Prayer Needs section, and we hold them close to our hearts in prayer. We want to take this a step further, though. So beginning this morning, each time we have a priest on one of our Real Presence Live hosts, we'll share a few of those prayer requests in this Prayerfully Yours segment and invite all of you who are listening to join in the prayer, specifically for those intentions. Don't worry, we are not going to be revealing identities. We'll only use first names. So here are our intentions for the day for our very first Prayerfully Yours segment. We pray for Karen as she goes through housing interviews may she and her family find a home located in a safe environment and then also for Warren that he may receive miraculous healing so that he may live a long healthy and happy life and one of our listeners is asking that they we pray for their cousin LaDonna who is battling ovarian cancer and has recently received her final round of chemo may she be blessed with strength and healing and for Sandra, that she may find a new job and overcome her uh, struggles with OCD. And so at this time, I'd ask Father Ryan to please lead us in prayer for these special intentions. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, we entrust all of our needs to you. We pray for your anointing to, to pour forth upon all those who have placed their prayer intentions before you. Lord Jesus, in your precious and loving name, we pray for Karen that as she seeks housing, that she may find a home located in a safe environment for her and her family. But we just ask that you would open doors within the community um, to help her in that, Lord, direct her heart and mind towards where you're calling her. Lord Jesus, we, we pray for your grace and anointing upon Warren. In your name, we ask that he might receive a miraculous healing, so that he may live a long and healthy and happy life. Holy Spirit, fill Warren with your peace and your love. Lord Jesus, we ask that you pray for LaDonna, uh, who is battling ovarian cancer and recently received this, her last round of chemo. Lord Jesus, we ask for your blessing to give her strength and healing, the strength and healing that comes from your cross and your resurrection. Lord, pour forth your your goodness upon her to help her in, in this time of need. Lord Jesus, for Sandra as well, we just ask that you would provide for her a job 
um, that she can find peace in and be provided for. And also, Lord, we ask for a, a calming of the storm and that she might overcome her OCD and that you would bring peace to her mind and her heart, that you would bless her fully. Mother Mary, we ask that you intercede for her, um, for Sandra, and also for LaDonna, Warren, and Karen. We place them um, all in your intercession as well. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father Ryan. Thanks for taking the time to pray with us for these RPR family members and their needs. If you have a specific intention you would like prayed for, please visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and submit it under prayer requests at the top of the page. You can also submit an intention on our app. Simply click on prayer requests on the main screen. Amen. Well, that was a very, I think, a very good and successful, uh, very first running of prayerfully your segment. So I think it's this is great. You know, it's so important that we're praying for one another and to pray specifically. One of the things in the spiritual life is ask for specific graces. You know, and be specific with the Lord about what you want. So. I just think this is really, really good. Well, I'm, and gl- I'm glad we're doing it as a station. Right. It's another aspect of, uh, you know, Catholic radio that we don't, you know, that we're bringing in now with Catholic radio in so many areas that are new to the, to the listening areas that um, to have that aspect of prayer really be a part of it, bringing prayer on to the, uh, uh, to the listening audience and the uh, radio waves at this point is, is something that other radio stations aren't going to do, you know, and so uh, it's something very unique and very fruitful for, for our listeners to have prayer as part of our, as our Catholic radio. Yeah, really, really good. So, Father Rich, do you have any 4th of July plans? Uh, yeah, I mean, we always kind of get together as a family. Good. How about you? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down to the lake, I think. Lake Superior Lake? Not Lake Superior, no. Oh, which lake? Cross Lake area. When you're in Duluth and you say the lake... Yeah, that's There's true. only one lake that they're talking well, when, about. And when you're in Minnesota, you know, the lake can mean lots of things. Yeah, but it, yeah, it can be because there's but like Duluth over in particular. T- in Duluth, it's always, there's one lake. And so. Duluth, so Duluth does, you know, they do fireworks and everything it's over big, the yeah. beautiful bridge here. And yeah, it's right, yeah, right over the bay, basically. It's kind of a big deal, right? It is a big deal. Have you ever seen them here? I haven't. Oh, at some time you should. You, you should go down there and like get on the water. Well, no, well you could, you can do that. I've, I've certainly done that before. I've been on the boats, you know, but. You know, because Duluth is on a hill, it, there's tons of people. I mean, Duluth gets so jam packed on the Fourth of July, and so many people are on top of on top of the hill watching it. And I I think, and in fact, I'm sure it is. It's the number one uh, fireworks display in the state. It's got to be one of the be- best throughout the country. It's it's it truly is incredible. But wow. you know, it's also one of those things like where. I have a Duluth native, and I've watched since I was a kid, so it's like... Yeah, you I don't, don't know anything else. You're I don't, a little biased. Well, I'm biased, but I don't put forth an effort. But if you're, oh, if, you're, go. If, you're I, if you're here, though, um, uh, sometime, make sure you have your family come here because it's an incredible thing to watch. It's They're huge. Yeah, so Duluth okay. fireworks are pretty pretty incredible. Pretty linoleum, as they would say it. Pretty Stella Mars <laughs> Academy. <laughs> So what else is going on in the world, Father Rich? We're here in your parish. Yes. Yep. It's this a, is a nice church, huh? It is a nice church, and it's a little quiet now during the summer. There's yeah, no school going on. Tons of life. If we do this again during the uh, uh, school year, I think that'll be a lot more fun. The kids will love it, and they'd come down and listen to it. And so I hope that the powers that be in Real Presence Radio will 
do that again here at St. Uh, James because uh, there is a real big life difference in a parish like this one between summer and the school year because yeah. of the school. They had done a real presence live from St. Lawrence, and we had Totus Tuus going on. It was yeah. fun just to have the kids around, and the kids came in. Like, Where'd you, to, did you do it in your gathering space as well? No, we did it outside. They set a tent up. Oh, that's and they really did it cool. right outside there, so as people were driving by, they could see. And, okay, yeah. yeah were you right on the corner day. there then? No, we weren't. We ended up up by the church. Okay. Right out by our sign, kind of in the lawn, as oh, sure, as, sure. as you pull into the parking lot or pull out of the parking lot. Yeah, I miss that. I mean, normally you and I are on the air together. I miss that because oh, I. And it wasn't I even was... our show. It was Brandon and. Uh, oh, okay. The other guys that came. Okay, all right. Uh, it was their show, so I came on for the live segment. Um, oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. And said hi and stuff. All right. But, so yeah. No, you know what I like about St. James? Is yes, the, the pastor. Well, no. That's, that was not what I was going to say at all. <laughs> oh, okay, what were you going to say? I like I like the windows here and the statuary. Yeah, there's lots of statues here. Lots of statues. I'm a, kind of a statue guy, but you've got great windows, too. These windows in the gathering space that you're looking at, you can't see it in Radio Land, but these were actually in our sanctuary originally, so behind the altar. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and so we got niches that are um, waiting to be reused. I'm not going to put these back in, but I'm I'm looking for others to put back into the. It's just incredible. Yeah, they're, they're these so were great. these the these were stored um, uh, in the basement, which is not a finished basement here in the church for decades, and so they really had to restore them a lot. There's a lot of damage that was done. It's so good I'm, to bring some of those things up out of the basement. Absolutely. Well, we're, we've tried to bring everything up from the basement yeah. again. A lot of things were stored away, unfortunately, in our Catholic churches, and we want to rebeautify our churches. Yep, bring it back. Yeah, so, yep. Well, good. That was a good prayer segment. And... Yep, and thanks for the prayer. Yeah. And uh, right now, I think that we're going to go off to another segment that we like. That is, that is the sound to give all of our listeners the cue that we are now going into Straight Talk, which is your opportunity to call in to Real Presence Live with your questions, with your thoughts, with your concerns, anything that's on your mind in regards to our faith and just regards to life, you can call 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. Or, Father Ryan, what's the other way that they can put The other way you call? can do that is go and find us on Facebook and post a message on Facebook, and they'll get it to us, and we'll answer your questions. So you can... Jump on Facebook, too, and find us. There's so many things going on in the world, in the church these days, that I'm sure a lot of people have questions about. And not that we have all the answers. We can certainly try and um, uh, direct you to the right place for answers if we don't have the answers. But we'll give it our uh, old college try and giving uh, good uh, good questions and followed up by good answers. And so that's 877-795-0122. Don't be afraid to call. With any questions, any thoughts, any concerns, you know the topics can come from from a variety of sources. Yes, uh, we want to look at them from a Catholic lens. So people are already talking about them, stuff out there in the world and in in our lives. So why not have them look at it from the eyes of Jesus and the Church? So give us a call, ask your questions, throw things out there, or look us up on Facebook. Father Ryan, do you have a question to me? Oh, I got lots of questions for you, Father. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the fourth pope, Father? Ooh, um, Clement. You're pretty good at that. Okay, Father Ryan. Then I'm going to back one up and ask you a question. Who is the forty seventh pope? 
The 47th Pope was Pope Innocent III. <laughs> Way to pull that. <laughs> no, I have no idea who the 47th Pope <laughs> But I thought it's, if you asked me a ridiculous question, I could ask you one. And I answered it. That was not a ridiculous one. That's a pretty... He's a, he's a significant in, Pope. Well, but he's in the canon too, yeah? He's mentioned. We don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a guy by the name of Clement mentioned in one of Paul's, I think it's Paul's letters, but we don't but know. But he's in the, in the Roman canon. Of the, oh, the of Roman the canon. I thought he was the canon of the scriptures. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and one of the oldest churches in Rome is named after him, San Clemente. San Clemente. Yeah, built over a house church. You can go way, 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 way down. Yeah, way down for the old part. It's pretty incredible. If you're ever in Rome, go to San Clemente. It's over by the Colosseum. So if you're in that area, look up San Clemente and then go down into the the excavations, the Scavi yeah. down below. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it, incredible, isn't it? It also has a very famous um, mosaic as well in San Clemente. So, anyhow, call 877-795-0122. Uh, our audience here at St. James have uh, gone on to bigger but not better things, and so we don't have any questions coming from our audience. A little slow here at uh, St. James as far as that is concerned. But you can um, uh, have a question on Facebook or call again 877-795-0122. And I think we do, um, uh, somebody who's going to be calling in here shortly. We hear somebody that's going to, is on the line, but we'll, uh, when they're on the line and when they're ready to ask the question, we'll get them on. But in the meantime, uh, call 877-795-0122. We uh, always like having callers come in and questions via our Facebook page. Yeah, questions or things that are going on in life that you want to just talk about. This is what it's about is talking as Catholics and, and even not... Even if you're not Catholic, give us a call. You've got a question about the Catholic faith, something you've always wondered about or you've struggled with or you've kind of gone, I don't agree with that. C- call in. Let's chat about it. It's a, it's good to talk about these kind of things. So, uh, Yeah, we even have a whole show that's dedicated to people that aren't Catholic, uh, yeah. Dr. Anders' shows. Yep. Thank you so much. Oh, we have coffee being We have coffee here. that was just brought. I, I stopped and got coffee today, and as I was walking in, spilt a whole cup of coffee. Thank you. So I was coffeeless. But well, Father Ryan is a little bit of a klutz, we now have so coffee. he's you know so now I'm you're very very grateful. Yeah, get ready, folks! You. I'm about to get caffeinated. So all right. Well, we do have somebody on the phone. So Teresa from Lake Park, are you there? Yes. Could you uh, why don't you give us your question that you got? Uh, yesterday, during our family rosary, we were uh, praying the joyful mysteries, and the kids brought up a question about um, the mystery of the birth of Jesus. And they were asking, talking about the innkeeper, and we understand that the town was full of people and he had no room, but the question was asked that uh, in the Jewish law, if um, childbirth would have been considered unclean, and if he had accepted them into the inn, would, would he have to do, would that be detrimental to his business? That's a... That's an excellent question, uh, and I don't know if I can even answer that one. I don't, you know, I don't think that um, uh, you know blood is, you know, and then you know the menstrual, you know, cycle was a um, a, a cause of uncleanliness. But as far as giving birth and the blood that would come forth from that, I don't think touching blood is necessarily itself was would be considered unclean. Touching a corpse would would render somebody unclean. But I don't believe, and Father Ryan is uh, looking up on his smartphone, uh, if there's if there's something in regards to the blood part. But I don't think un- uncleanliness came from giving birth. And 
you know, where my, what I've always assumed and always thought, this is a really good question because I've never heard any, that question come up. It, it could be, but I've always kind of gone back to, you know, in the book, in the Gospel of Luke, and that's what I pulled up here on my phone, you know, the birth of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius, Quirinius. <laughs> was Quirinius, Father Ryan, Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was a child. So I've always assumed that the reason that nobody had any room, there, there wasn't room for them in any of the inns, because the, the census is going on, lots of people have come, you know, so it, uh, nobody's got room. Um, so, you know, the one person that does have room, you know, has room out with the with the animals. You know, you can go stay out in the barn. <laughs> well, well, and then just really quick, because we do have another call coming in, another way of looking at this, Teresa. I, I did spend a fair amount of time studying in Israel, and I remember one of our professors talking about that whole birth thing and the whole Bethlehem thing, is that if you go to Bethlehem today, in fact, if you go to the Church of the Nativity where Christ was born, uh, there's a whole bunch of natural caves in the area. And so what what this scripture scholar told us is that most of the houses were built off of the caves. And so the caves were like the very back room. And the very back room was not like a storage room, but it's where the actual animals were kept. And so when we think of Jesus being, you know, born in a barn, it's not like a wooden structure we think of a barn, but it's where the animals were kept in the very back of the house under the natural cave. And the inn that we think about was not maybe necessarily a hotel, but where all the people were, would have been staying, like the extended family, where the home part of the of of that family lived and not in the the where the animals were kept so to speak and so uh, very likely the cave where we now see the church of the nativity built over would have been the very back of of a house so there's no room because they came late probably because the census was going on and so they had to go back where the animals were is the only place where there was a room and so that's at least what one scripture scholar um uh, uh explained it i don't know if that helps or not but uh yeah Great. Yeah, it well, does. It's very good. Well, thank you very much, Teresa, for calling. Thanks for calling in, Teresa. I love it. We have thank a, you. Have a great day. We have another caller online, Vicki from Duluth. Vicki, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. And uh, you know who I am. And I yes, have, I this has bugged me ever since I came back to the church. This is something that isn't earth-shattering. But how come the first commandment says you can't have strange gods? in front of you. To me, that seems like, I can understand you shouldn't have other gods, but strange gods imply that if you know the god, then it's okay. I don't know. I just think it's strange. I think it's odd wording. I think, okay, well, number one, I mean, there's something always lost in translation, okay? And so uh, when we go from modern English, from ancient Greek or ancient Hebrew, you know, to the modern English, you know, everything, there's not always a perfect translation. But one thing we have to recognize that at the very beginning, when these uh, Hebrew people were being formed into a nation, uh, you know, at, at you know, after Abraham and the you know the Exodus event, they were one tiny little nation, one tiny little peoples, among a whole host of thousands of other peoples who had their own gods. All these different little tribal nations had their own gods, and so the Hebrews were just one little small group among. A whole host of other groups that had their own gods. And basically, God is saying, I am it. All these other nations that have their own gods, 
They're not really gods. There's only one, and it's me. And so strange god is meaning everybody else but me. There's no such thing as another god, now the capital G. And so if it's if they worship them as a god, then that's indeed strange. You can't worship a cat and think that it's a god. All right, so that's strange if you do. And so you can't worship any god other than me. I am one. And that's why we say that the Jewish people are the first, Abraham was the first monotheistic person, you know, because he was the first person that believed in only one God. Everybody else believed in many gods. And with Abraham, our father in faith, we have revealed to us that there's one God. And so anything else that's not the one God is indeed strange. I'm, uh, I just looked up you know, the bishop's website, usccb.org. Um, you can look up the, any, anything in the Bible. And so the translation in there, when you go to Exodus chapter 20, says, you shall not have other gods beside me. And so, you know, I, I suppose it's a translation thing, too, in terms of maybe what translation one would read. Um, or there, I think there's a, a verse in Deuteronomy as well concerning this. But it's interesting that beside me, you know, the footnote on it says, this commandment is traditionally understood as an outright denial of the existence of other gods except the God of Israel. However, in the context of the more general prohibitions in verses 4, 5, verses 3, verse 3 is more precisely God's demand for Israel's exclusive worship and allegiance. The Hebrew phrase underlying the translation beside me is nonetheless problematic and has been variously translated except me, in addition to me, in preference of me, etc., etc. So, you know, sometimes it is the, the, the translation thing like Father Rich was saying. Thanks, Vicki. That's a great call. Great question. Thanks. All right. Well, we've had we've had two calls so far. You can call eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two if you are driving on the you know you're in your car and you're listening to Real Presence Radio in the state of Minnesota. You can still hold your phone in your hand until August first, and you can't hold it in your hand anymore. It's going to be against law. But since we're still in July, you can make that phone call and not break the law. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Father, or you can go to Facebook. Yes. Father Rich, uh, are you afraid of going to confession? Uh, there's an intimidation factor. Right. Yeah, I think that even for priests, that there's an, we should be, because the idea of going to confession means that we take ownership of our stupidity. Yeah. You know, and so to take ownership of it is not comfortable. Yeah, so there's a fear there. There can be a fear it's, of it. It's, it's humbling, right? It's humbling, and that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. Right. I was I was telling our, um, I told us to us the other week. I told our kids because they, they were just, it was awesome celebrating the sacrament. It was what? It was awesome celebrating the sacrament. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was awesome. And, uh, but just that I was really proud of them. I think sometimes like to get past the fear, to work our way through the fears, to realize usually if you make a good confession and, and you're really honest, the priest knows. Mm-hmm. And when, when we experience that, like on our side of the, the screen, if you will, or in our chair, uh, often we're proud of people. Yeah, we're not proud of what you've done, but we're proud that you've brought it to the Lord, that you've admitted it, that you've owned it, mm-hmm. as you say, Father Rich. And so, at least in my heart as a priest, like when somebody comes in and makes a really good confession, I'm I have a, I'm proud of them for doing what you know, mm-hmm. bringing that to Jesus and admitting it, for for um, confessing it, to uh, yeah. wanting to do penance for it and be forgiven. Like, and another thing that about the whole sin and confession thing is that. We humans are all in the same boat. We all sin. You know, so it's like when, when you go to confession, realize that you're going to a sinner. Yeah. You know, and, and the realization, the, the incredibleness of that sacrament is that the Virgin Mary in all of her glory cannot forgive a single venial sin. But God has given that to priests who themselves are sinners. 
you know, 10,000 angels cannot forgive a single sin, but we as priests in the person of Christ can. And so that that's an incredible grace that we have available to us as faithful Catholics to be able to do that, you know, and, and realize that that priest himself, you know, struggles with sin and has to go to confession. And because we're all in the same boat, that should make it less intimidating yeah. to go to confession. But the intimidation's real and it's always there, of yeah. course. You know, one of the things that, you know, in seminary, but even at, and as a priest, you realize the more you go to confession as a priest, the better you are as a right, confessor right. as well. Oh, true, so, exactly. Because you have to experience it on both sides still. You know? Right. Yeah. We don't just get to look in the mirror in the morning. Well, people, are, sins, people, know, people joke, ask right? me that. And I, as a joke, I would say, well, I always go to confession when I brush my teeth. I say, bless <laughs> me, me, for I've sinned. But it doesn't work that way. <laughs> It'd be easy if it worked that way, but that's not because we have to go to confession because, in fact, we are sinners. And so... We do not go to confession while we're brushing our teeth, so don't uh, be scandalized by that. That was a joke. Call 877-795-0122. We've had two great questions on the phone. You can also uh, submit a question more anonymously, if you would like, through Facebook. So 877-795-0122. People always are having questions of the faith, and uh, um, even people that are really well-versed in the faith have questions about the faith. There's lots of times I'm hearing questions, Father Ryan, as I'm listening to Real Presence Radio, where like Dr. Andrews will get a question or um, uh, any of the other um, hosts that we have. And I think to myself, boy, am I glad I didn't get that question. I wonder how they're going to answer that. Oh, yeah. There was that time that you weren't here. <laughs> and I was all by myself, I think, or something. And I was like, oh, man, I wish Father Rich was here. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that we, we, uh, we go off of each other's strengths. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and it's called straight talk, folks. You know, it's it's a chance to talk about anything. You know, yeah. what do you want to talk about? Um that's going on in life or in your family's life, in your parish life, you know, and Catholicism. It, it doesn't have to be theological questions just. Yeah. Um, and know that you can call in to 877-795-0122, and you can be anonymous on the phone, so yep. you don't necessarily have to come on the air with us. You can leave it with our producer, and right. he'll, he'll send it on the screen to us, and we'll answer your question as well. So you can call in. Um, give your question and then hang up. Not even you, have to talk to Father you could, Rich. You, know? you can even plug your nose and ask the question, so your <laughs> so your voice sounds different. So we're we're talking about anonymity on all levels. I like um, the confessional, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the screen of the telephone. So eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, or on Facebook. Father Ryan, uh, that that question regards that first question that we had in regards to the inn. Uh, you've spent time in Israel and in Bethlehem, right? When yeah. was, you were there not that long ago, right? No, it was um, well, maybe four years ago. Oh, now, so it's been years. a little while. Okay, I'm I'm planning a trip for end of year next year. Okay, to take a group over, um, in so. like December or yeah, right November? after Christmas, 2020. Oh, so you'll be there over New Year then? That's the plan. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I've been there, um, I think three times now. Yeah, we went when we were in seminary. We we did a caravan. We had a Jesuit priest who. Mm-hmm. Has been to the Holy Land a lot, a lot, lot, lot. Yeah. So we we kind of caravaned in all these rental cars and drove around the Holy Land. That was a really great experience. And then I've had the opportunity to be over there twice, leading a pilgrimage. Sure. Um, with a pilgrimage group that I love to work with, brought my two grandmas. One of my goals when I was oh, cool. ordained a priest was to get my grandmas to the Holy Land. So I went yeah. to them and said, "Would you be interested in going to the Holy Land? You know, do you think you can do yeah. it?" And yeah. They both said, "Yeah." yeah. I said, "Great, I'm going to make it happen." That is and great. so we did, um, yeah. and then got mom and dad over. My brother and I led a pilgrimage you know, a few, few number of years ago too. Our mom and dad came over too. So now I've got, my goal is to get my sisters there at some point. 
So I yeah. think it's something that everybody should see. It's incredible. I, I had the I was graced with the blessing of being able to study over there, and so I spent a lot of time there, and and I've been back several times since then. And so when I go back, it feels like I'm going back home. It really does because yeah. I got to know Israel. I still got connections over there, and that was back. In, I was there for a semester for six months in 1994, so it's been a long time, but I still have those connections. But uh, yeah, a great place to go, the Holy Land, if you can ever make it happen. So we do have another call on the phone. We have Bill from Moorhead. Bill, are you there? Yes, I am. What's your question? Uh, I just I just started thinking about this the other night. You know, uh, Pope Francis uh, is our pope, but the the previous pope is still alive. You know, and does it, do you stop being a pope just because you resign? Aren't you? You don't really lose that. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you know, if you're laicized as a priest, but you're still really a priest, you know, right? Even though you don't practice anymore, can you really stop being a pope? Yeah, that's a you good know question. What I mean? So, aren't there two popes? Yeah, so, oh. Father Ryan, who's answering? <laughs> we're trying to figure question. out who wants to answer. I think we're both kind of anxious to answer. <laughs> Go ahead, Father Ryan. Um, you. So, a couple of things. Pope Emeritus Benedict. He's no longer the pope, so he's Pope Emeritus. Um, so no, he's not the Pope, but he's a, he's a former Pope. Um, you can cease being the Pope because you cease to be the Bishop of Rome. So the papacy being Pope isn't a right of holy orders, right? So if you're ordained a deacon, priest, or bishop, you can never cease being deacon, priest, or bishop. You can stop practicing the role, but you never cease being those things. It's like being baptized, right? You can never cease being baptized no matter what. The, the Pope, that's a role. So the Pope is always the Bishop of Rome. The Bishop of Rome is always the Pope. So Pope Emeritus is still Bishop, but he's not the Bishop of Rome anymore, so he's no longer Pope. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Well, well here's the, here's the, oh, okay. Go ahead, Bill. Kind of connected with that is what happens with, you know, like when, when uh, if, if the, the Pope Emeritus uh, issues something, he issues a statement and it conflicts with the, Pope Francis, you know. Yeah. Can, what, how, how do you handle that kind of a situation? Okay, well, that's a, that's a good follow-up question. The, you know, the one thing that I just want to just add on to a little bit what Father Ryan said, and then I want to address what you're saying right now, is that, that you know, there is much speculation because of modern medicine that some of these popes are going to be li- living a lot longer than they used to do and maybe, you know, incapacitated in some way. And so there's been lots of theological discussion about the papal re- resignations and such. And so... A lot of that question revolved around John Paul II when we saw his failing health. But the last time we had a pope actually resign willfully was in 1294. So we're in, we're in very uncharted well, Pope territory. Benedict resigned willfully before well. that. Yeah, before before, that. before Pope Benedict. Clarify. So so <laughs> yeah right okay so so this we're in a very odd time to have two living popes you know and so uh, Father Ryan nailed it in regards to saying the pope in, in, in reference to that title is the administrator of the diocese of Rome and an acting administrator of the church. And so there is the, uh, there, therein lies the difference. As far as like contradiction, that's not going to happen. Now, obviously, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict and Pope Francis have different styles. As far as teaching on truth, there's not going to be any type of contradiction. And Pope Benedict uh, Emeritus has been gone through great pains to, to uh, show his obedience and allegiance with Pope Francis. Yeah. So Pope, Pope Emeritus Benedict does not speak authoritatively anymore as Pope, so we have to remember that because he's not in that role. 
So if anything comes out, you know, anything that he's writing right now, he says anything. Well, he speaks as a bishop of the church. Um, and yeah, and he's Pope Emeritus. He's, uh, so we remember that, but he doesn't speak okay. um, right. from the chair, if you will. <laughs> All right, Bill, thank you very much for the question. Great we question, have, Bill. We, okay. we, do have a, we do have another caller coming, Emmerich, uh, from North Dakota. Sure. Emmerich, are you there? Yes. What's your question? Uh, my question is on confession. How do priests uh, uh, look at confession, or do they schedule it in their in their in their weekly routines or some sort of a routine, and then they are mindful of, of sins along the way, or are they more reactionary to a certain sin, and then they immediately go to confession? How do we? How do we as lay people, you know, fall into a trap of maybe forgetting about it or just becoming not, you know, just getting making sure that we get there? Well, I think priests, just like anybody else, you know, set up their confessions, you know, maybe either by appointment or just because of a sin that they want to confess. So we are no different in regards to anybody else. But you know, one of the things that uh, one of the things that's certainly encouraged is the idea of a regular um, uh, uh, examination of conscience. If you do that on a regular basis, then you're going to be more mindful of your of your sins and then want to confess them as soon as you can. Yeah, Does especially mortal sin. You know, you get get to confession as soon as possible. And, yeah. I hope yeah. that helps, Emmerich. And routine is good. Yeah. Routine yeah. is good. Yep. Great. We have another caller. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Jean from Duluth. Jean, are you on the air? I am. What's your question, Jean? Hi, Father Ryan and Father Rich. Hi, Jean. Um, I I have this question. It's been burning on my heart for a long time. I went to went to church on Easter Sunday a few years ago at a different parish, and the wine, the cups of wine, were on a table away from the altar. And at consecration time, they never moved those cups onto the altar, and then they distributed those cups. So I was wondering if those are consecrated or not. If it's consecrated wine, if it's not on the altar, that's a that's a good question, Gene. So the thing is that proximity is important, obviously, but it's the intent of the priest. the the If the priest had the intention of having those consecrated, then they're consecrated. I mean, they can't be in another part of the country, you know. But if they're in that proximity, uh, and that's his oh. intention. Now, ideally, obviously, you want it on the altar because there's the whole question of the epiclesis, where the priest puts his hands over the, you know, the um, uh, the chalice and the and the plate, and, right. uh, and so. Yeah. Um, but the intentionality of the priest is what's what's critical here, and I, and certainly that's that's not a good practice to have. Yeah, the, it's a bit odd. It is. It's awkward, and I don't know. And I, I could see where there'd be confusion with that. So, certainly, priests yeah. should have it on the altar. Sometimes you'll see like these papal masses where there's like tons of chalices on the altar, but they do it. They put it on the altar. But the intentionality right, right. of the priest is what's significant here. One of the things at papal masses is you'll see at the big po- masses with the Pope, you'll see deacons come up or in the around the altar or in the audience in front of the altar, and they're actually holding patents with hosts, right? Because there's there's right. you, need, you might need a million hosts when you're not going to have a million hosts on the altar. And so okay. they'll bring them in, and actually their hands serve as the altar, if you will, for that particular, so that right. you know it's around right. and proximate to the altar. Right. Um, so they don't right. have to technically be on the altar. They they should be on the altar unless there's weird circumstances, like a World Youth Day or something. But um, right. yeah, that would definitely be an odd thing. You know, you wonder if like Father like somehow forgot to bring him over, or you know, you never know why he maybe did that. But that would not be the norm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. Okay. All right. Great question, Gene. Good to hear from you. Sure. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Looks like we have a call on Facebook from Pam from North Dakota. Uh, Father, what has been your most successful fundraiser at your church so far? How about you, Father Ryan? Um, we haven't done much. Fun- <laughs> we haven't done much fundraisers since I've been in Duluth here. Um, but how about past fundraisers? Past fundraisers, um, we did something called the Wild Game Dinner slash Wild Endowment Dinner now in Cross Lake. I mean, it was an auction, live auction, silent auction, fun night, dinner. Um, that's probably been the most successful one I've been a part of, yeah. Uh, I'd say you? you've done a lot of them. Probably. I've done a lot of fundraisers. I've got a little bit more mileage than Father Ryan has as far as you my length tell. of priesthood. I mean, just by looking at you. And the wisdom that comes forth. Well, it, so uh, I don't know if this was probably not for the parish, but back in 2004, we did a fundraiser called The Vatican Comes to Duluth that I was responsible for. We raised $122,000. That was a Kind of a nice That's not bad. Yeah, I know. It's not bad. <laughs> so, the, the, and that was a fun one. We're, Especially way back then, you know. I mean, back in 2004. Yeah. Uh, and so, dollar we're, is worth a lot more. We're we're, <laughs> we're we're uh, we're ho- we're hoping to to re um, uh, redo that fundraiser uh, again and uh, have more success with it in the next year, maybe. All right, we'll take um, uh, we can take one more call, possibly. Oh, very quickly. And we've got a little bit of time. I mean, you can call in quick, 877-795-0122, or throw something on Facebook. They'll get it in really quick. We've got two minutes left in the Straight Talk. You know, some really good conversations. This is what Straight Talk is about. This is actually, I think, the our busiest yeah. Straight Talk, which I like. I mean, all these phone calls coming in has been very, very good. And it's us. good, like, just to call in and talk about stuff, so, you know. And, like, the, and the gamut. I mean, the questions of uh, anything from, you know, the birth of Jesus to fundraisers. And so a lot of things are on people's minds. And that's I love that this gives the local listener, you know, we listen to EWTN, which is all across the nation. This is more of a local opportunity to call and ask questions, maybe in the local church. Yep. And this is going to be happening more and more, from my understanding. I don't know. Well, every... The, Every show, I think. Well, we've been doing it for a while. Yeah, but they've though. got some new shows coming up, I think. My brother's going to be doing a show, too, so watch out. Well, it's going to be Real Presence Live for five days a week. Five days a week now, right? Yep. Because yep. it, it was two or three days a week? One day a week? I think it was three days, three a, days week. a week. But the, the whole idea of having another Moravitz being a uh, host, I don't, know if that was the, I don't know if that was the best decision for I don't those think it was. I'll tell you what, those who are going to be with him on the radio, I feel sorry for them because they're going to have their hands full. But Yeah. If you you know they always have to turn me down, so the producers are like, "Father, turn your mic down." Like they're going to have yeah. to like I don't know what they're going to do because well, not Brandon, only yeah. Father Brandon like is well not only are they way louder have, than me. not only are they going to have to turn Father Brandon down, they're going to have to slow his talk down <laughs> because he talks so fast. So it's like I think that it's they're true. probably going to be like I don't know if they've got technology to slow down talk, but loud and slow down. So it'll be interesting to hear Father Brandon as a as a one of Maybe the hosts. Maybe he'll get on the radio and just be totally calm. You think? I doubt it. No, I doubt it. I doubt it as well. I think that his he, he's got more he's, energy. He's to burn, louder than to burn. me, and he talks faster than Father Mike Schmitz. Yeah, it's kind of like crazy. It, it is. It's extreme. Well, all right. Well, uh, thank you for calling for a real presence live, uh, and uh, we'll catch you after the break. <laughs> 